This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to The Night Sky, a podcast on the eclipses coming to Kerrville. Over the next 18 months, Kerrville will be the eclipse capital of the world. The first eclipse will be an annular solar eclipse on October 14, 2023, with a total solar eclipse taking place on April 8, 2024. 2023 annular eclipse will be a partial eclipse that will create a ring of fire around the sun. The second will be a total eclipse where full darkness occurs. This podcast, hosted by Andrew Gay and Tom Fox, will celebrate these two eclipses and discuss how the town of Kerrville will prepare for an influx of a quarter million or more visitors, as well as celebrating the dark skies. Andrew is on assignment this week, so I take a solo turn with Mike Zeiler. Mike is a longtime eclipse chaser and equally interesting, he's an eclipse mapper. He's got a great website, Great American Eclipse. He's coming down to the Hill Country and he shares his passion around eclipses and what you can do to enhance your experience. I know you'll enjoy this episode of The Night Sky. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for another episode. Andrew Gay is on assignment this week, so I'm doing a solo turn with Michael Zeiler. Michael, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you and excited to speak about the April 8th eclipse. We're excited down here in the greater Kerr County and Hill Countries. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about your professional background? Sure. I have a long career in geographic information systems and also called GIS. And for people who have never heard of GIS, it's basically smart mapping, mapping with analytical power behind it. And I had a long career in, in this software industry. I also had a, a, long, a, a long history of chasing solar eclipses since 1991. When I was getting ready for the 2009 total solar eclipse, the ship that I was booked on advertised itself as going to the point of greatest eclipse. That's where the eclipse will be the very longest in the West Pacific Ocean near Iwo Jima. And as I was preparing for this trip, I looked at the existing eclipse maps and there weren't any that were good enough for my purposes. So I decided to make my own. I was encouraged by people on the ship who, who saw my maps. And ever since, I've been creating new eclipse maps and, and launched the website Great American Eclipse. So I do multiple podcasts, and one of them is around innovation. And one of the categories of, of innovators is a person who looks at the same thing I look at and indeed looks at the same thing 100 people look at and sees a different way to do it. And it seems to me that you fell directly into that. You looked at the same information that everyone else had and said, I think I can do a little bit better. I, I just happen to have the right combination of professional skills and personal interests. So I decided to jump into it back then and have never looked back since. One of my favorite phrases is when preparation meets opportunity, luck occurs. So it sounded like you had preparation, you had the opportunity and hey, voila, here we are. Could you tell us about your journey in eclipse chasing? I had a, as you can see with the Saturn V, 
I'm a child of the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo program. That inspired me to seek scientific education and also sparked a lifelong interest in astronomy. Anyone who's into astronomy realizes that the, the biggest event you can see of astronomical of, uh, interest is a total solar eclipse. It's like combining the Super Bowl and Easter and Christmas and the World Cup all together for astronomers because it really is the penultimate view that you can see. So I, I knew I had that interest and I saw my first total solar eclipse in 1991 in Baja, California. Once I saw the first one, I was smitten. I had to see more. I've seen 11 total solar eclipses, four annular eclipses, and many partial eclipses. And I, I keep going because it's the most beautiful sight you can see with your eyes. Let me unpack a couple of different things in there. I've had the opportunity to speak to multiple other eclipse chasers for this podcast. Mm -hmm. And to a man and woman, they all say every eclipse is different. Yes. The feeling is different. The sense is different. The sun is different. The air is different. The yes. vibe is different. Do you yeah. find that to be true? Oh, absolutely. Because for several reasons, it's different whether whether the sun is and the eclipse is high in the sky or low in the sky. There's some very different optical effects that you see. But I think the biggest difference is the sun itself. The sun is very dynamic and it goes through an 11 year solar spot cycle. And what's exciting about the eclipse coming up in April is that we are approaching the peak of the solar cycle. And what that will do for us is it gives us the chance to see some things that might be really spectacular. The kinds of things that seasoned eclipse chasers look for is activity on the sun in the form of what we call prominences, which look like giant licks of flame coming off of the sun's edge, and also coronal mass ejections. And um, each eclipse uh, has a very different appearance um, because the sun's, the, the corona, the, the beautiful flowery shape around the sun only during a total solar eclipse is much more active and dynamic uh, during solar maximum. So that's why we keep going back because each one is different. Each one is beautiful. And frankly, what I'm really hoping for is a spectacular eruptive prominence uh, such as that was seen uh, for the 1919 eclipse, uh, which was made famous by uh, validating Einstein's theory of, of relativity. The second thing I'd like to follow up on, as you mentioned, I think I heard lifelong love of astronomy yeah. and perhaps the stars. I've had the chance to interview astrophysical PhDs on this podcast. I've interviewed the Fredericksburg Astronomy Club president. And to a man, they all had the little boy aha moment. One guy was eight years old and mm -hmm. saw a presentation on the planets in elementary school, and he got a PhD in astrophysics. Did you have that sort of event as a little boy? I, I think, first of all, as I said before, it was the early uh, U.S. space program that inspired me. Um, 
But my aha moment really came during my first telesolar eclipse in 1991. And for that eclipse, seeing your, I'd like to say that eclipses are like girlfriends. The first one is particularly memorable as, as well as your most recent one. So for any eclipse chaser, I think two eclipses that stand out are your very first one because it was a shocking experience and a beautiful experience, but also the most recent one because that's freshest in your memory. I certainly understand uh, that analogy. I'd like to turn to the modeling and mapping that you mentioned because sure. I found that it's high, obviously prominent on your website. So let me first start by asking, how does advanced GIS technology facilitate solar eclipse modeling? Great question. It, it turns out that it's a perfect tool for advanced modeling because what we can do with GIS is we can take the calculations done by uh, organizations such as NASA a step further and using GIS tools, the innovation that I helped spark is taking the precise shape of the moon and the moon's edge has many mountains and craters and little valleys and the timing and the phenomena that you see during the eclipse is dependent on that. So we can improve the accuracy of our eclipse predictions to less than a second taking account into that. And one exciting, one exciting project that I'm just about to release is you can, we can use the GIS modeling to predict where you can see special phenomena. One phenomena in particular that I'm interested is called the double diamond ring. For those who have never seen a total solar eclipse before, Perhaps the, one of the peak moments during the eclipse is called the diamond ring. And that happens when the last little bit of sun is extinguished or becomes visible after totality. And this diamond ring is a brilliant bead of light uh, superimposed against the majesty of the sun's corona, which you will see for the first time in your life. But the thing that's special about it, too, is that I realized that I can use GIS modeling to predict where you can see what's called the double diamond ring. And a double diamond ring is instead of the beads of sunshine just before totality collapsing to a single bead, they collapse to two beads that are separated on the moon's profile. And so I'm just about to release some maps that I did with GIS processing to do that. Could you tell us what led you to create the Great American Eclipse website? I, earlier, I, in my early days of eclipse mapping, I had a great time geeking out and developing the most eclipse most advanced and precise eclipse maps that I could. And, and I had a prior website called eclipse-maps.com, which is still active. And this before I, I had developed this eclipse uh, website just before the 2012 annular solar eclipse in the United States. And this was just a little website that I had as a little hobby but I was shocked to find out on eclipse day in 2012 
there were about half a million people coming to my website without me really trying. And I knew of the 2017 and 2024 eclipses coming to the United States. So I realized the, the public interest in that. And to serve that interest, my wife and I created the website Great American Eclipse three years before the 2017 eclipse. And we've been going strong ever since. Well, and that leads me to my next question. What has been the response to not only the uh, GIS technology you've been able to educate many people on, but also to the developments uh, around your website? It's, it's, been a, a great, it's been a great project. I, I get a lot of feedback on the website and a lot of interaction with Eclipse experts. And so we work together to take just have a lot of fun and take these predictions and analysis and maps to, to the next highest level. The, this, the thing that I'm trying to particularly work on is I love maps in general. Maps, if a picture can tell, it is worth a thousand words. A map is worth a million words because a map is a guide to journeys, to... Uh, just to all kinds of things. And an eclipse map is actually, when you think about it, a treasure map. It's only good for one day. After that one day, an eclipse map is obsolete and only useful for souvenir and, and memory purposes. But, but in the lead up to the eclipse, eclipse maps can inspire people to see nature's greatest beauty and so I try to make my maps scientifically accurate and expressive, but also beautiful. I think that if you can really invite people through a well-constructed map, then you can do a lot of, you can influence a lot of people to go see the eclipse. So that, in a nutshell, that's my mission. Let me turn to the 2024 eclipse. As I mentioned, I live outside of Kerrville, and for many of us, this is the first time we're going to experience an eclipse. How would you suggest a first-timer, other than perhaps going to your website, start to learn about and feel the passion that you have for eclipses? I, I think simply by coming to the eclipse, it, for your first eclipse, I would advise to just take it in and absorb the experience. Uh, watching a total solar eclipse is not just for people with a scientific or astronomical uh, interest. It's for everybody because it's simply the most beautiful thing you can see in the sky. I would advise people not to attempt photography for the simple reason is that you might you will likely be so gobsmacked by the experience that you just decide that you're paralyzed and that you can't, you can't operate your cameras. So just enjoy the experience and you'll have a wonderful time. What do you see as the impact of the eclipse on the hill country of Texas or perhaps in Kerrville or Fredericksburg or some of the small towns that make up the hill country? Speaking of Texas, Texas is ground zero for this eclipse for several reasons. Uh, the first reason is that Texas in general, but specifically the hill country, have the best weather prospects in the United States. 
And uh, within the state of Texas, 12 million people already live inside the, the path of total solar eclipse, including nearly 7 million people in the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan area. So that's an amazing statistic. And I think that, that there's certainly going to be intense visitation and traffic. For example, if, if you look at those 12 million people in the state of, of Texas, it's not unreasonable to assume that perhaps 10% of, of people will invite friends and neighbors from outside the path to come stay with them. So that's going to be a huge impact on, on the state. And one factor that boosts that impact a little bit, too, is that it's only been less than seven years since the last total solar eclipse. Many people in the United States saw that one. And so there's a certain buzz in the nation. There's a bit of a national memory now of eclipses that wasn't before because there was a 38-year gap before 2017 for a total solar eclipse in the U.S., so I think a number of these factors combine, and Kerrville, uh, according to my visitation estimates, is going to receive a huge amount of people visiting uh, on Eclipse Day, Kerrville and the surrounding area. So we've heard numbers as low as 125,000 to 350,000 to 1.5 million for the hill country. It's going to be somewhere in there. What do you suggest that Kerrville residents, or what maybe advice do you have for Kerrville or Hill Country residents during this time? Just bunker in and enjoy it? Stay put and enjoy it. You are so privileged and fortunate to be right in the center of the eclipse path. You're going to see over four minutes and 20 seconds of, of the most beautiful sight uh, you will ever see in the skies. For folks in Kerrville, I, I would advise you to just stay put and, and enjoy the spectacle. So where will you be during the 2024 eclipse and why did you choose the location? Actually, we're going to be right next door. My family and I are going to be in Fredericksburg. And so and what? Uh, yeah, why Fredericksburg? Because for several reasons, this is how an eclipse chaser thinks the Two most important factors, by far the most important factors, weather. You want to be someplace where, where you've got good weather, but of course, weather isn't guaranteed. So the second factor that we consider is mobility. If uh, eclipse morning uh, has patchy clouds and, and we're concerned about that we might get clouded out and, and eclipse chasers are desperate not to be clouded out. Kerrville, Fredericksburg is an appealing location. And I think Kerrville similarly, if you look at a map, there are six highways radiating out of Fredericksburg. But if eclipse morning has patchy clouds, I've got six directions I can go. In a nutshell, that's why we chose Fredericksburg. Michael, after this eclipse in 2024, What's next down the road for eclipse chasers like yourself? We've got two fabulous total solar eclipses coming up in Spain in 2026 and 2027. Uh, that's what we're looking forward to. Our, um, eclipses in Spain, it's not trivial to go to Spain. It's relatively easy from a travel perspective. 
to just hop on a transatlantic flight. Myself and my eclipse chasing friends, we travel practically anywhere in the world to see a total solar eclipse. I've been to places like Africa, Svalbard, Gabon, Baja, Indonesia, all over the world. Um, but these two in 2026 and 2027 will be relatively easy because it's just a transatlantic flight. As far as the United States, the next coming eclipses are, the first one is in 2033, but that's in a pretty remote corner of Alaska. It's in Northwest Alaska. And only a few Inuit towns will be in the path of that eclipse, but we'll certainly be there. But there, there isn't much accommodation for mass travel, so I don't expect too many people to go visit Alaska in 2033. But two others after that in the U.S. are coming up in 2044 in Montana and North Dakota, and 2045 is the big one. There's a very long duration eclipse. This is a long duration eclipse of four minutes and 28 seconds coming up. But the one in 2045 will be six minutes and six seconds. And it'll cut a broad path through the US from California to Florida. So I'm uh, eating my veggies and living a healthy lifestyle so that I can be around and mobile in, in the year 2045 for that eclipse. Michael, I've interviewed a lot of people for a lot of podcasts. You're the first person I've ever interviewed that had an asteroid name for them. <laughs> can you tell us about that? I did a lot of work in the lead up to the 2017 eclipse. I created a lot of maps and did a lot of outreach for the eclipse and some people in the International Astronomical Union saw that effort that I put in and I was honored with, with the naming of an eclipse for me. It was a complete surprise. I didn't know that, that it was coming in, until one day I got the message that I, I was privileged to, to have an asteroid named after me. And it's a great thing to think about and to wonder about what's going on in this little asteroid deep in the asteroid belt. So it's a great honor. Michael, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But if our our listeners rather wanted any more information on yourself, on the Great American Eclipse side, or really any of the topics we've touched on, what might be the best place or places for them to go? Our website, greatamericaneclipse.com. And it's got a lot of general information for the public. Hopefully, we'll convince you to, to make the effort, if you possibly can, to travel to the path of totality on, on April 8th. And besides our website, we ha have an active social media presence on Facebook and Twitter. And you can search for us as Great American Eclipse on several social media out outlets, including YouTube. And we've provided a wealth of information for people to learn more. Michael, first of all, for those listening to the audio version of this podcast and not watching this on YouTube, you are missing the true passion that he is showing in answering literally every question. The smile on his face has been fabulous. The Saturn B5 is equally cool. <laughs> I have to shout out to that because that was part of my childhood as well. I'm Wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit me. I hope we can continue this conversation. Perhaps we can visit after April 8th. 
Great. I, I'd love to. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Night Skies. If you are interested in eclipses or if you have an eclipse story to share, if you've lived through an eclipse, been through an eclipse, we'd love to have you on our podcast. So please give us a shout out. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This podcast is a special production of the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network. If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast and you're in the Hill Country, I hope you will uh, also give us a shout. We'd love to talk to you about coming on to the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network, the only podcast network for the Texas Hill Country and its surroundings.